Welcome to Sanctified in Truth with Michael York, a ministry of the Fairview Baptist Church in Ashland, Kentucky. Sanctified in Truth is a daily podcast for followers of Christ who desire to imitate Him and to dedicate ourselves fully to the plans God has for us by deepening our love and understanding of God's Word. Today on Sanctified in Truth, we're going to read a prayer for justice from Psalm 137. As always, I want to encourage you to read the passage before you listen to the podcast. We live in a broken world, and daily we're reminded that we are surrounded by injustice. We may see injustice in the world at large as we see people who are suffering through no fault of their own. We also see injustice as we see people thriving by using sinful means to do so. We see injustice through oppression, suffering, and we constantly utter the refrain, that's not fair. What do we do when we're overcome by these feelings? The 137th Psalm is a psalm prayed by people who had been exiled from Jerusalem. It's not just about being conquered, and it's not about being relocated. It's about being removed from the place where the presence of God met with his people in the temple. That is the source of their sorrow. And this psalm teaches us a lot about how we pray for justice. First, we need to see it is good and right to turn to God in the face of injustice. God cares about justice, and God's the only one who can bring justice to pass. God says, vengeance is mine. God has not called on us to enact revenge, but to give justice over to Him, to allow Him to determine how and when it is best accomplished. The second thing we need to do is commit to praise in the face of injustice. Things are so bad in the first three verses of Psalm 137 that the Israelites cannot even sing songs of praise about how great Jerusalem is while they're sitting in Babylon. But then somebody stands up and he refuses to forget those songs because he knows the end has not yet come. When we see injustice, we need to remember that we have not yet reached the end of God's story. One of these days we'll see God right all wrongs and judge all injustice. We long for that day. And today, even amidst the injustice, we still praise God in light of what he will one day do. In the face of injustice, we turn to God, not away from God. It can be so easy to accuse God and wonder why He would allow certain things to happen. But we cannot forget that only He will and can make all wrongs right. And He's not yet done. We cannot forget that when we look at injustice, we must do so in light of the cross. Jesus, the only innocent person to ever walk this earth, suffered the cruel injustice of bearing the wrath of God for me and in my place so that I could be credited with the righteousness of Christ. Jesus suffered injustice so that I could receive grace. The fact that I am a sinner praying to God and calling Him Father means something happened to me good that I do not deserve. My sin was dealt with, justice was met, but mercy was also extended. As we seek justice, we rejoice that God alone knows how justice is best worked out. As we seek to think through the meaning, implications, and applications of this passage, we want to ask ourselves our three basic questions. First, 
What does this passage call me to think and praise God about regarding His character or actions? Today we need to thank God for being just. A God who is not just is a God who is not loving. Imagine if a judge had a person who stole your car stand before them. The thief demolished your car, destroyed it, and the judge simply let that person go. What might be perceived as kindness by the thief would certainly not be thought of as kindness by you. Injustice always hurts somebody. A loving God must be a just God. However, when we speak of the justice of God, we cannot forget how His justice works in cooperation with His patience. Justice does not demand immediate sentencing, but God in His grace allows time for people to repent. We must not begrudgingly allow for God's patience with an eye roll. We're beneficiaries of God's patience, and we thank Him that His justice works together with patience to bring good about in every situation. The second question I want to ask is, what do I need to pray for my own heart and life? When we pray for justice, we often come to God with an idea in our hearts of what justice should look like. We've acted as judge and jury, and we come to God to demand that He act as executioner. Prayers for justice must be offered in humility, that we don't know all we think we know. Our appraisal of a situation may not be as accurate as we think. I need to pray that I let God deal in the way that He knows is best. I need to pray that if God decides to show mercy in the moment and deal with sin on the last day, that I don't just accept it, but I'm thankful for His good judicial ruling. My prayer for my heart needs to be that I let God pursue justice and that I, as a needy recipient of of grace, ask that the deepest desire of my heart is the one against whom I am compelled to seek justice first turns to God for mercy. The third question we want to ask is, what does this passage teach me to pray? There's two principles about justice that this prayer draws out. One is, justice does not exceed the crime. The language here in Psalm 137 is harsh and it's violent. But so was the crime against Israel. A principle we see in the Bible over and over is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It was often called the lex talionis. But it was not intended to permit revenge. It was intended to limit it. The point was that the punishment was not to exceed the crime. What Israel is praying for is the destruction of the Babylonian civilization because they were trying to destroy Israel. But the other thing we need to see is that we have to view this prayer in light of the story of the Bible. Israel was the avenue through which God's promised Messiah would come. Israel was His people. To attack Israel was to attack God. The horror expressed by this psalm is not personal, it's theological. The people are not praying that God would avenge them, but that God would bring justice to those who declared war on God Himself. The justice that we seek must not be primarily personal. Our prayer is that God would bring justice to those who attack Him, who work against His purposes and declare war on His name. People are not our enemy. Sin is. And as we pray for justice, 
We must not lose sight of the danger of sin and remember that sin, whether it's committed by others or ourselves, is an affront to God, and God alone must deal with that. And He has done so primarily for us in the work of Christ. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode of Sanctified in Truth. Join us on Monday as we're going to begin discussing prayers of the Old Testament next week. And we're going to start with Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. May everything you say and everything you do today seek to honor God. And whatever you do, take comfort and know that Jesus has already prayed for you, that you would be sanctified in truth. As we close today, I want to close with a prayer by Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was most famously known for writing the book Hiding Place about how she and her family hid Jews during the time of the Holocaust. One of the things that happened to Corey Ten Boom as a result of that was that she and her family were sent to a place called Ravensbrook Prison. Years after the Holocaust had ended and she had written her book, she was on a book tour. And she saw a man in the crowd that she immediately recognized as one of the guards. He came up to her afterwards and let her know he was a guard at Ravensbrook. He said, since that time, I've become a Christian and I know God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Will you forgive me? He raised his hand to her. As we can imagine, many things raced through her mind. She had seen such horrors there. She had lost her sister in that concentration camp. But she knew the command of God. She knew what she had to do. And she prayed this. She writes, Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. Amen. Amen.